to the latest episode of Leaders Lift. I'm your host, Greg Cunningham, and I'm excited to share this special episode with you. Now, I'll also admit, I'm a little bit nervous as to how this episode is going to turn out, but I'm moving forward, and since I'm recording, there's really no turning back. In this week's special episode, I want to go back and start at the beginning. Now, what I'm attempting to do is to take the first 10 episodes plus the launch and some of the other bonus episodes and pull in the best bits and try and weave them into some sort of a coherent story. Now, there are a couple of reasons I'm trying to do this. First, I wanted to see for myself that there actually is something coherent here. I'm hoping as this episode goes on that if you're a leader, professional or otherwise, and you're looking for personal development or to help with the development of others, you'll see that you can use the concepts from the first three months of the podcast to get off to an amazing start. Now, the second reason is that since this is a new podcast, I also wanted to provide a way for new listeners to figure out at least some of what they missed and to identify which episodes they may want to go back to. I know when I have discovered a new podcast, it can feel overwhelming to try and figure out if I need to listen to every past episode. I've only done that on one. Or which ones would be most meaningful. I've used these principles and techniques as a parent, scout, and youth leader, church leader, and in hundreds of professional situations. I'm sure there's something in there for you. And as you listen to this, through this episode, if you'd like to work through some of these concepts and have your own plan as a result of these topics, two things. First, check out the wrap-up so you can see what, that would, what would be the outcome of doing that. You know, what would your plan look like? And then go to my website and check out my coaching services for more details. Or you can also email me at contact at mountainebowconsulting.com to start a conversation with me and I can help you figure out how best to approach this. Well, that's a long intro, so let's go ahead and get started. So just a quick audio insert here. As I was editing this episode, I realized that the wrap-up, which explains kind of what you should have gotten out of this episode, was really worth sharing at the beginning. So I'm going to insert that here. Apologize if there's a difference in the audio quality. I did record them at different, this part at different times. So, But here goes with the wrap-up, and hopefully that'll encourage you to listen to the rest of the episode. So what do you have at the end of all of this, this Leadership 101 development course? What does your personal development plan look like? What does the development plan for those you lead look like? Well, let's recap. First, you have an understanding of what leadership is and how strong your foundation is. You also have some items on your list to strengthen that foundation, some things that you can work on. Second, you have a much deeper understanding of what you want out of life and your motives. You also have your personality style report that we've reviewed and you've identified ways to enhance key strengths, key strengths and mitigate some of the potential pitfalls. You also have a better understanding of how to evaluate some of these same things for those you lead as well. Third, you have a list of the key relationships in your life. You've identified those where some work is needed and anywhere trust needs to be strengthened or restored. Fourth, you also have a better understanding of trust and ways that you can build and restore trust. And again, you also have some action items to help you with trust with those around you. Fifth, you have a clearer view of what your potential is and the potential of some of those around you. You also have a better understanding of how important it is for you to work toward your potential and to help those around you do the same thing. And if you want the most out of life, you have to be working towards your potential. Now, sixth, you have personal development plans for yourself and the individuals you lead and your team. This is what you'll be working on for the next however long it takes. 
Now, seventh, you have an understanding of the stories that you have been and will be telling yourself as you continue on this journey. Don't let the sunglasses darken your view and enthusiasm, and be sure to curb imposter syndrome. Well, before we actually get started, just a reminder that if you haven't already, please subscribe or follow the podcast in whatever your favorite podcast player might be. I'd also appreciate it if you would share it with others in your circle. Most podcast players have a share button, and it generally looks like a square with an arrow pointing up out of it. I'm also looking for feedback on the show, and you could submit that at www.mountainebooconsulting.com survey. And if you want other ways to be notified of new episodes, follow me on LinkedIn or Instagram. On Instagram, it's LDRSLFT. All right, that really is enough of an intro. Let's get to the content already, okay? Think of the rest of this episode as a Leadership 101 course. I'll try and break it out into the lessons I would be using and let you know which episode the core content comes from. That way you can go back and listen. And if you find this type of a course is exactly what you're looking for, for yourself or for your team, reach out to me via the contact form on my website or by emailing contact at mountaineboconsulting.com. And I'll put all of those links and email addresses and stuff in the show notes. Now, first, let's begin, and these are from the launch episodes, by talking about and assessing your leadership foundation. Like almost everything in life, successful leadership must be built on a solid foundation. Now, for the goal for this section, the foundation section, is to do an overview and intro into some core leadership philosophies and foundational elements. Here's a recap of what I covered in those episodes and what you want to assess uh, right at the beginning as you start your own leadership development plan. From what is leadership episode, I think the best way to summarize what leadership should be is to list some key points or key things that should be part of real leadership. And here's a few that I would place on such a list. Got to have the right motives. You've got to have the right tools, knowledge, and skills, and the wisdom to use them. You've got to have the right amount of confidence. Not too much, but you've got to have some. You need to have true self-awareness, and we spent a lot of time in these first few episodes talking about that. You need to have a drive to always be learning, a willingness to adapt, and then you've got to really understand and internalize the idea that you lead people, but you may manage projects. So we don't manage people, we have to lead them. And one of our core objectives as a leader should be to lift ourselves and others. What does that mean? Lifting means you make a difference in whatever sphere of influence you have. That could be just yourself, or it could be within a family, a team, an organization, or a community. It also means helping others to live up to their potential and get the most out of life. And if you're willing to focus on lifting, just maybe you'll have an opportunity to change the world, even if it's just a little bit. Now, are you on board with what leadership should be? If you answer yes, or even maybe, your next question might be how to build a solid foundation of leadership. This was the topic of the Leadership Foundations episode. You might not have to build your foundation from scratch, but in order to figure out where you are, you'll want to assess what you're doing right now, where you're at right now. If you think about yourself as a leader, think about a few of these items. First, what kind of lessons has life already taught you? Have you learned to work hard? Do you know what it means to do the right thing? And are you willing to stand alone if necessary to do so? How influenced are you by the sense of entitlement so prevalent in the world today? Do you know how to set and achieve goals? What about getting along with others? Is that difficult or does it come pretty easy? And what about disagreeing without being disagreeable? Those are the kinds of lessons I like to see leaders come to the table with. 
Now, it doesn't mean you can't learn them as you go along, but it's sure easier if you learn them when you were younger or when you were first getting started. Now, another part of your leadership foundation needs to be a solid understanding of, well, you. How can you hope to lead to your fullest potential if you don't know what that is? Several of the first 10 episodes helped reinforce, reinforce this, and I'll cover them in more detail here in just a bit. But here are some foundational things you need to know about yourself. One good question to ask yourself is if you like to lead, or are you just doing that because that's expected, or it just has to be done? What parts of leadership do you like, and what parts don't you like? What are your strengths and weaknesses? For all of these questions, you can start with a high-level self-evaluation, but I do recommend diving into your personality style, which would include both things, strengths, weaknesses, answers to all these questions above, plus your communication style, and a whole lot more. And more on that here in just a bit. Finally, but maybe most important, is asking yourself what you really want out of life, and if you're on a path that will lead you there. This last one may not stay the same for your entire life, and that's just fine. But knowing where you're headed means you can make a more deliberate decision in the here and now, rather than just hoping that somehow by chance you might possibly sort of, kind of get somewhere in life and maybe like where you end up. Now, if you've decided that leadership is a good path for you, immediately pause and evaluate the whys behind that. And what I mean there is that you need to understand what your motives are for wanting to lead. You want your primary motive to be things like being part of a team, making a difference, lifting for example. Now, you may still have some of the potentially negative motives like wealth or fame, power, but those need to be subservient to the higher motives. And if you can get through all of that, then know that you have started on the path. Remember that there is so much more to learn. If you're willing to continually learn, grow, stretch, and adapt, then you'll be able to keep moving down the path. Develop your natural curiosity. Don't settle for just being good. Seek out as much knowledge to help you down your path. Evaluate your willingness to take risks. Even if the smallest risk is uncomfortable, get used to living outside of your comfort zone. And that's where some of the greatest things will happen. These are all things you're going to have to do on your leadership journey. And lastly, build a plan, which is what this episode and my leadership development course would be designed to help you do. No foundation will withstand time unless it was built according to a plan and it's maintained. You maintain your foundation by doing the things I've just mentioned. I recommend writing them down so you always have them to refer back to. Writing them down digitally or otherwise tends to solidify them in our minds and help them be, become part of who we are. Now, why is this solid foundation important and what evidence do we have that it makes a difference? And I talked about this in the state of today's leadership episode. Without being too overly dramatic, the world is experiencing a crisis of leadership. Ever, even since I lost launched the podcast, things have gotten worse in a lot of areas. My take is that the biggest challenge here is that a large portion of today's leadership are wanting to lead for the wrong reasons. And some of those wrong reasons to want to lead would include things like fame and recognition, power, the need to do things their way, their ego, or money. And there are a lot of negative impacts that these types of motives can have on a leader and those around them, especially when these motives overrule all others. Now, those that are led by these kinds of leaders learn the wrong lessons, don't engage as much as they could, they get burned out more quickly, and get out of balance. The leaders themselves suffer from a lack of focus, they look to the short term, they look to solve the wrong problems, and then they treat people as disposable resources. The organizations they lead bleed talent and resources and often are in the middle of a leadership carousel. 
They fail to meet their potential and ultimately could become failed businesses. Now that I covered a whole bunch of negative, let's turn that coin over. We need to be positive, even with all of the other stuff that's going on around us. And the good thing is that if you recognize that you have a problem with some of the motives above, that's the first step and it's not too late to change. So go back, listen to that episode and build a plan. And I'm happy to help with that if needed. But beyond that, there is still a lot to be optimistic about. There's a ton of potential in the world. One of the ways to tap that potential is to be more positive in your own sphere of influence. And we have so much negativity in our lives today. If you take in any sort of news, broadcast, podcast, YouTube, social media, news apps, etc., the ratio of positive to negative is going to be way out of whack. Our brains are actually trained to look for the negative things. They're hardwired to look for threats and then to either run or fight. Think of fight or flight response. Now, while this may be our natural response, we can train our brains to search for a more positive outlook on life. This requires deliberate effort, but doing things like expressing gratitude, identifying and write down positives in our lives, those types of things can retrain our brain to look for the positives when they're done over time. I've done this, and I would definitely recommend you give it a try. So those were the early launch episodes. All of them were designed to help you identify what's required for a secure foundation. And if I were working with your team or even you as an individual, this would have been our first working session, all designed to establish a common foundation and to evaluate where you are currently. And then as a bonus, we might have had a few follow-up items before diving into lesson two, and that's about to really getting to know yourself. And when we talk about getting to know ourselves better, the first step is to understand what we want out of life and what are our core motivations. We all want something out of life and we have different motivations even if we have the same goals. This is critical as it serves as the foundation for who you're trying to become and has a significant influence on your personality style and motives. Ask yourself, what am I looking to accomplish in the future? What stage you are in life will determine how far ahead you want to look. So for example, if you're just starting your career, you may want to focus a little more short-term, but have some longer-term goals in mind. If you're a decade or so away from retirement, your goals need to stretch out to your retirement and what you want that to be like. Now learn to identify things you like to do, what you like to be a part of, and what you enjoy accomplishing, as well as the things you don't enjoy. Every step on your leadership journey is going to have a combination of things you need, you enjoy, and things you don't enjoy. So you need to know where you're willing to endure something you don't like for those things that you do really enjoy that are more important. Now we need to know our triggers. Triggers are something that pushes you into either a negative or even a default behavior or reaction. Think about someone running their nails across a chalkboard. For a lot of people, that triggers an instant physical reaction. In leadership, we could call these pet peeves, annoyances, etc. So what are your triggers? Pay attention over the next while and notice the things that stress you out, make your blood pressure rise, or are just super annoying. Write them down and then decide what, which are negatively impacting your journey and work on them. Okay, now let's do motives. As you assess your motives, look for those that are generally positive and those that are potentially negative. Positive examples include making a difference, being part of a team, serving, lifting others. And those that can be potentially negative include money, fame, power, pride. Now we all have some of each of these motives, so the key is to figure out which ones dominate and if they're causing issues. And that's part of doing an honest self-assessment. 
And once that's done, you can identify where to make changes, build a plan, and start working towards being the new kind of leader you would like to be. Now, if we were working together on your leadership journey, this would be a simple questionnaire that I would have you honestly answer, and honesty is the key here. I wouldn't necessarily need to see all of your answers, but we would definitely discuss some of the key points, some of those that are making the biggest impact. Now, one of the, re one of the great reasons to work with someone on this is to have someone to bounce ideas off of, to bring in a new perspective, and to help you think deeper about it. And then we would also start working together to build your plan. This would be a set of goals or objectives, how you're going to accomplish them, and how I would support you, and then how we would hold each other accountable for our action items. This is something you can do for those you lead, no matter if that's in a professional or a personal environment. If you have kids getting ready to choose a college or career, think about how powerful this could be if they had you as a partner to work through it. And if you want someone to help you work through your own personal journey or to work with you and your team, I'm here, just reach out. Now at this point in our course, you would have at least a draft plan to start working on some of these core foundational principles and a little bit of the knowing yourself. And if you're already in a leadership position, and most of us are, then you can take those principles that helped you understand your own motives and apply them to those you lead, help them start building a plan. You can observe what gets them excited and what does not, what triggers their stress, what their natural strengths are, and what their potential weaknesses might be. Now, all of this so far has been observation and self-assessment based, both for you and then as you observe others. But we don't want to stop there unless you just want to be an okay leader. To really keep heading down the path of most potential, you want to dive in even deeper. And that's where personality styles come in. Episode two was all about personality style assessments. I covered the logistics around them and how you can take the information they give you and start applying it immediately in your life, or how you can help others do so as well. These are still done on a self-assessment basis, so being honest is one of the keys. And I found that when folks take these kinds of assessments, they have to focus in order to really answer the questions in a way that reflects reality. Often they answer in the way they think they should be, want to be, or the way others see them. And this makes it more difficult to get the best value out of this kind of an assessment. The personality assessment I would have you take as part of this course is based on the MBTI personality types. I've been using a specific version of that assessment for several years. I found it to be very comprehensive, and I like to combine personal and workplace assessments, so two different ones. There is a lot of overlap between the two, but you'll find that most, you most likely have some differences in default behaviors in personal versus professional environments. And that's the key thing you learn from this assessment. What are your default behaviors and how extreme they might be? That is super important. A default behavior is something that's going to come very naturally to you. Our default behaviors also kick in when we're tired or under stress. Some default behaviors are positive and others are what I call potential pitfalls. Now, let me summarize what default behaviors will be identified out of this assessment. And if you want more detail on these, I'd recommend starting with episode two and then maybe hitting episode three where I talk through the results of my own assessment as an example for the kinds of things you'll find. First, you're going to find out if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Most think this is about being a loner or wanting to be around other people all the time, but it's way more subtle than that. And the reason you want to understand this in depth is about learning how to recharge your batteries. In today's world of burnout, always running at full throttle, and all of the stressors coming from the economy and the world in general, your batteries are going to get depleted. 
Now, knowing the best way for you to recharge and which type of activities are likely to further drain your batteries is a skill that can transform your life. And I covered this topic in depth in its own episode, and I'll talk about it a bit more later as well. Now, second, you're going to understand if you're more practical versus you go on instinct. Do you go with your gut? Go with your gut, or are you more likely to look for facts and base your decisions off of those facts? If you're going to make a decision under pressure, you're most likely to use one of these methods. They both have their pluses and minuses. Too many facts could mean a delayed decision, and not enough fact and too much gut could be a very uninformed decision. Do you know what your default is? Can you use the other style if needed? Now, third, you're going to get a better idea of where you fall as far as being more logical and objective or more emotion-based. Some say that this is the touchy-feely part of your personality. I don't think that's exactly right. It's more about what do you default to. For me, knowing where I am on this spectrum is key as I aspire to be the kind of leader that can show appropriate objectivity and compassion. Now, fourth is the understanding whether you are a planner or more of a go-with-the-flow kind of person. Most people know almost immediately which of these two is their default. But if you're too extreme on the planning side, then you may have have more difficulty being in a constant state of change. If you're more go-with-the-flow, structured environments might be tougher for you. So it's important to understand this as well. Now, as we look at your results together, we'd be talking about the key insights. We'd also discuss which portions you agree with and which don't really make sense to you. We all have those in our reports. But then we would really focus in on my reoccurring theme, which is to build a plan and write things down. And more about that in just a second. Now, continuing on with lesson two, this is an extension of the personality style discussion and helps us make sure that the plan we are building has the right balance. And that was the focus of episode four. I started that episode with a caution that the deeper you go into your personality style assessments and building your plan, the more important it is to ensure that it's in balance. Now, this is one area where having someone to work with can help out. When we work on something like this on our own, it's real easy to go to either a positive or negative extreme. And what that means is that we either put a positive spin on everything in our assessment and we're left with a very superficial plan, or we tend to make everything out to be a major weakness and our plan because it's so weighed down with negativity, it's really hard to make progress. So the approach we would take is to identify your key strengths and then key potential pitfalls. I don't like using the word weaknesses. It's just too negative. Plus, not all pitfalls are created equal. Some are impactful and others are just minor annoyances. Now, the approach we would take with your potential pitfalls is to identify those that are most impactful right now or in the very near future. We would then build a plan to mitigate those potential pitfalls. The plan would include things like when the pitfalls are most most likely to show up, what would be their impact, and then how could we make them be less impactful. What we would not do is work on a plan to completely overcome those pitfalls. Remember, these are all default behaviors, so the amount of effort required to completely overcome or avoid a pitfall is most likely not worth it. What you want to do is put in enough effort that those pitfalls are not fatal and won't throw you completely off track. And then we would move on to the other portion of the plan, which is how to enhance and take advantage of your strengths. That's where the real magic happens. And if you can avoid falling into any fatal pitfalls and then take one or more of your strengths and run with them, you'll find yourself running down the path of most potential. Now, at this point in our leadership and development course, it's probably time to take a breath and work on things for a bit. So this would be the end of lesson or phase two. 
And at this point, you should have a much deeper understanding of who you are currently as a leader, where you want to go, and have a plan in place to help you get there. And just like the other topics we have covered, if you can effectively do that for yourself, you can also start applying the same principles with those that you lead. Now, before I move on to the next episode or the next phase of our Leadership 101 course, I do want to remind you to hit that subscribe or follow button. Also, I'm presenting the episode today as if I were taking you through a leadership development class. If you find yourself thinking that this would be something that would be great to work through with someone, don't hesitate to reach out. Use the contact form on my website. Also, when I released the episode on personality styles, I had a promo for a discounted personality style package. I'll still honor that package today. Simply fill out the form on my website and mention this special in the goals section or email contact at mountainebelconsulting.com and let me know if you want the per- and let me know that you want the personality package special and we'll work out the details. In episode 5, which is now the next part of our course, so part 3, we start to transition away from ourselves just a bit and focusing more on others. And up until this point in our leadership course, we started with you first and then expanded out. Now we're going to move into more of a parallel approach, working on ourselves and others at the same time. And we would start off by talking about getting a new perspective on the key relationships in our lives. With this new knowledge about your personality style, motives, and with a better understanding of what you want to get out of life, you can start evaluating those key relationships and what adjustments you need to make to keep heading down your path of most potential. And the reason this is a parallel effort, yourself and others, is because relationships by nature involve more than just you. So you need to understand yourself and the others involved. Relationships are also probably one of the greatest sources of happiness and stress in our lives. So this topic is definitely worth our time. One of the things we should regularly do is evaluate if the key relationships, and maybe all of them in our lives, are adding value or doing the opposite. And this is not an easy thing to do and take some courage. It means looking at personal and professional relationships and being honest about the impact those relationships have on you. Bosses, coworkers, family members, friends, etc., all are a part of this. Now that you understand yourself and maybe others a bit better based on the work we did in the first two parts of this course, you might see these relationships differently. Once you've done the evaluation, then again, it's time to figure out what to do about it. Just like we discussed with strengths and potential pitfalls, you may need to address both sides of this. If you have key relationships that must continue but are struggling, then you need to figure out a plan for how to improve them. Let's say you have an amazing job, but you just have this one coworker that you can't seem to mesh with. If you want to stay there, then you take the things you learned about personality styles, motives, etc., and figure out what you can do to improve the relationship on your end. Now, the focus should be on what you can do differently to improve things. Now, like many potential pitfalls, you may never change this relationship into a strength, but if you can improve it enough, then you can go back to the other relationships that are enhancing your life. Now, as for developing a plan, it's pretty simple. List out the key relationships that you want to make changes in, identify a few things you can start working on, and then get to it. And as you work through your plan, it would counsel you to remember just a few things. First, work on building up trust. We're going to talk about that in depth next so that you can at least give some benefit of the doubt. Be humble, and remember that you can only change yourself, so look for the things that you can do. And then know that in some cases, you may need to learn how to agree to disagree, 
And that's not an easy thing to do in today's world, which seems to get more and more polarized. I think we would all be surprised at how much things could change if we could sincerely and effectively agree to disagree and compromise. So that's something you're going to have to work on in relationship. And one more thing I would encourage you to do is that if there are any relationships in your life that do more harm than good, figure out what to do with those first. And sometimes that means moving on for those, from those relationships. Think about a toxic boss and how refreshing it is to find a new job with a boss that truly cares. It's just one example. Sometimes that could also mean getting some professional help. And that's where courage comes in. The courage to do what is best for you when it comes to relationships. Now underlying all important relationships in our lives should be a foundation of trust. And that's episode six. That's the only way these relationships can be successful, meaningful, and help all involved move towards their fullest potential. And before we can identify how to build trust where needed, we need to get on the same page as to what trust is. From a personal standpoint, I think about trust on multiple levels. I think about trusting someone with my life, for example. But I also think about trusting those close to, that those close to me are looking out for me, that they will let me know if I'm headed down a bad path, that they'll be there for me if I need them, that I can share my fears, struggles, weaknesses with them without fear of being criticized. Essentially, I'm trusting them to help me get the most out of life. I'm giving up some of the control I'd like to think I have over my life and putting it in their hands. In a professional environment, a lot of the same principles apply, but there also needs to be the ability to trust that those around you are going to do their best to do their part and that they want you to succeed and are willing to help you do so. Now, those are the highlights of the kind of trust that you want to build in the key personal and professional relationships you have in your life. So if you want more details on that, go back to episode six. If we go back to our list of relationships that we put in our plan, we should be able to identify those where you want to build more trust. And then we can start talking about ways to build and restore that trust. If we focus on what you can do to build trust where there isn't much yet, say in a new relationship, like with a new employee or a new friend, here are some of the things that will help build trust. First is integrity, reliability, and consistency. All three of those combined help those around you understand how you will act on a regular basis. Now, in addition, you want to demonstrate transparency, humility, and vulnerability. That's done by apologizing when you make mistakes and admitting that you have weaknesses. And once you've set that kind of example, you can then help others do some of those same things. You can encourage them to disagree with you and make it safe to do so. In other words, don't go ballistic when they disagree with this amazing idea you have. And then finally, trust those around you. That's what will go the furthest. If they feel like you trust them, not just because you say so, but through your actions, then they're more likely to reciprocate that trust. Now, some of your relationships may need to have trust restored. It could be that you need to restore their trust in you or that you want to trust them more. Well, there are ways that you can do both of these things. First, if you need to restore trust, you need to identify what you did to reduce the trust. It could be something simple or something big. And then you need to figure out why it happened. And hopefully with the new knowledge you have about personality styles and motives, this will prove to be a more meaningful exercise. Then figure out what you can do differently in the future. Now it's time to figure out what you can do. You can only control yourself to set things straight. Whatever you do, it needs to be sincere and deliberate. A half-hearted, meaningless apology with no follow-up will most likely make things worse. 
a sincere apology is required, and that apology should recognize what happened, that you're taking ownership of it, and what you're proposing to do to make amends, and then how you're going to do better in the future. So that would be built into the plan for any relationships where you would want to restore trust. For those relationships where you hope to have others restore trust. Helping others to regain our trust is probably more difficult than working to regain the trust of someone else. This is even more difficult if it's a really critical relationship and or if the trust violation is deep. But if we expect others to trust us after we make mistakes, we have to be willing to do the same thing. And the way I want to approach this is to assume that we as leaders are going to take the initiative to work on the restoration of trust instead of waiting for the other offending party to come to us. The first key is going to be communication. So what needs to be a part of that communication? Facts, honesty, transparency, and sincerity. You also need to be willing to share what you are willing to do to help restore trust and what you would like them to do to restore trust. And then finally, you need to be willing to give them a real opportunity to make amends. That includes not writing them off when it doesn't go perfectly as quickly as you'd like, or if you run into any other sort of road bumps. Developing and maintaining true trust is not easy, and it takes constant work. If it was easy, our world would be so much different today. But at least now, you know where you are going to work on trust and have some ways that you can work with your team on developing it as well. Okay, so you understand yourself better. You're focused on the key relationships in your life, professional or otherwise, and are building trust. You should be able to look back and see progress on a path that hopefully leads you to getting the most out of life and living up to your potential. And this doesn't apply only for you, but also for those you lead, whether that be a team, family, friends, or anyone you may have influence over. And this is where we get to the core of what it means that leaders lift. If this development plan we are developing seems like a lot of work, that's because it is. There is so much more we can get out of life if we're willing to put in the effort. And people rarely live up to their fullest potential because either they don't know just how high they can go, or they decide they don't want to put in the effort. And I guess that begs the question, how can you really know how high you can go if you're still at the beginning of the journey? Well, you can't. But what you can do is see far enough down the path and start moving forward. And the closer you get to that initial view of your potential, the vision beyond will clear up. And I believe you'll see just how much more there is for you. But that can only happen if we do a good job of identifying our initial potential and then put in the work to get there. And this was the focus of episode seven. So let's start by discussing the ways we can identify potential in ourselves and others. First, evaluating personal potential. We absolutely need to do this for ourselves. You can use the various techniques I discussed in the Knowing Yourself episodes. Once we have some idea of our own path, then we can help others on theirs. And just a word of caution here. When it comes to personal potential, I don't recommend being the judge of what someone else's potential might be. Even in a professional environment, leaders should be cautious about determining overall potential. As a leader, you can definitely determine if the individual has the potential in their current position, but just be a little bit careful beyond that. Ultimately, I believe as leaders, we should support others in determining their potential, but allow them to make the final call. We can provide advice, guidance, support, but ultimately it needs to be their decision. And once we have a good idea of our potential, we can evaluate if our goals and potential align and make appropriate course corrections. When evaluating professional potential, all of the above definitely apply. But beyond that, you also need to evaluate some of the things that are specific to the job. 
First would be the current skill set. Look at soft and hard skills, but don't get hung up on only the skills that they are currently using to do their job or that you're using to do yours. You want to look at those things that may not be quite as obvious. You need to evaluate potential to learn new skills because that's part of how far you or they can go. You also need to look at current situations, things like current position, what opportunities may be available in the company or industry. All of this needs to be considered as you build a plan to help yourself and others move towards the potential. And that's the next part of our discussion. Helping others move forward. The best plan can do wonders to help someone see that meeting their potential is within their grasp. Sometimes others also need to be inspired to see and then put in the effort to reach their potential. And sometimes we as leaders need others to reach their potential if we're going to do the same. Now, this doesn't happen if you employ the old school command and control style of leadership. What you need to do is build trust, inspire them to move forward, and then support them as they do so. We've already covered trust, so let's talk about inspiration and support. Eleanor Roosevelt said, a good leader inspires people to have confidence in the leader. A great leader inspires people to have confidence in themselves. So that's where we start helping others to build the confidence in their own ability to meet their potential and get what they want out of life. And we can do that by helping them build a plan and then providing the right amount of support and handing back the marker, which means get them started on solving the problem, but don't do it for them. No, really, go back and listen to episode seven on that. That's super important. And then creating an environment that's intense, but not tense. And that means that you set expectations for best efforts but don't overreact and punish when best efforts don't yield the desired results. Okay, again, to inspire them, we need to help them build a plan, provide the right amount of support, hand back the marker, and create an environment that's intense, but not tense. Got that all down so far? Okay, so what's next now that you've identified potential for yourself and for those you lead? Well, let's build the team in a way that moves everyone down the path of most potential. Working with yourself or another individual towards their potential is a great place to start, but many of us are being asked to lead a team in that direction as well. So how do we take those principles we've learned about helping ourselves or other individuals and apply it to the team? And episode eight dove in deep here. Some of the core team building foundations you will need to master include what we have talked about already, trust, knowing yourself and others, building relationships, and identifying potential, as well as some more practical items. You need to understand who your first team is. That's the team whose priorities take precedence over all others. In most professional environments, that's going to be your boss's team and priorities. In life, I prioritize my relationship with God and my wife first. Kids and others fall into place after that. You also need to master the ability to set clear direction. The more layers in the org you lead, the more difficult this can be, but it's also more crucial. You need to get good at being positive and optimistic. And I don't mean that everything comes up smelling roses, but you want to be optimistic that no matter what is going on, you and your team can handle it. And if you have a good start on these principles, then it's time to build a plan. Yes, another one. This time, though, you want to prepare a multi-layered plan. You want to have individual development plans for each person you lead, yourself, and others, similar to what we've been going through today in this episode. But then you need to add on to that a plan for the team. The team plan will have similar elements like strengths and potential pitfalls, and maybe some gaps. And then the ways the team as a whole will take advantage of those strengths and mitigate the potential pitfalls. 
It should also include ways to build trust and strengthen relationships. Then you need to work on getting buy-in, not consensus. If you have a diverse, high-performing team, consensus will be unlikely. But you do want the team to buy in, all of them. And you do that by building trust, setting a clear direction, and giving everyone a voice. And sometimes to give everyone a voice, you have to learn to draw out those introverts. Then let the team execute and provide support. Don't do it for them. You may be tempted to dive in when things don't go well, but resist that urge. Don't help them so much that they don't learn and grow. Help them become self-reliant leaders in and of themselves. Well, are you ready for a breather? I think I am. But let's wrap up one more topic. You'll be happy to know that there's no real plan around this one. It's more about awareness and a technique to help improve all that we've been talking about. Now, I'm going a bit out of episode order here, as episode 10 would be next on my list going through a professional or a leadership development course. Since during this whole course, you've probably been telling yourself stories. And maybe you even started to wonder if you actually had what it takes to be a leader, and if you'll ever be good at all these things we've been talking about, and if you have any hope of successfully following that plan. That's stories, and that's imposter syndrome coming out. So let's learn how to deal with imposter syndrome and the other kinds of stories we tell ourselves. First, the kinds of stories we tell ourselves. We tell our stories about ourselves, about others, and about situations. Then we mix and match all three of them. And in this sense, a story is not a lengthy discourse, but could be something as simple as a single thought. These stories determine the color of the lenses through which we view life. Rose-colored glasses sunglasses, or our own personal prescription lenses. The rose lenses come on when the stories we tell make things look better than they really are. Sunglasses make things darker, generally putting a negative spin on things, while our personal prescription lenses are what bring things into focus. Imposter syndrome comes when we tell ourselves stories that are definitely sunglasses-influenced. This is when we feel like we aren't qualified, don't deserve something, or are worried someone is going to find, out, find us out to be a fraud. It's most often a completely false narrative. And with these stories, we need to learn to manage them. We need to recognize them, analyze them, and categorize them, rose-colored sun or prescription glasses, and then work to change the narrative as needed. For imposter syndrome, you need to do this quickly and reframe it into a positive before it gets a hold of you. So as you work through this plan, as you work with others and face new and challenging situations, be conscious of the stories going through your head. And when necessary, change the narrative. And again, go back to episode 10 if you're struggling with imposter syndrome or these stories that you're telling yourself. Now to wrap up this course, you already have plenty of plans to work on for the next several weeks or months. But I want to leave you with a key message. And you might need a plan for this one. I covered at the end of the course, but this is episode nine, but I covered there so that it sticks in your brain. What a lot of true leaders and high potentials do after going through a course like this is slam the gas pedal to the ground and just go, go, go. We come out of the gates with so much energy and don't want to lose it. Plus, if you're like me, patience is definitely a potential pitfall. But we can't move that fast forever. So learning to give yourself and others permission to dial it back is the concluding lesson. Development like this plan we've been building takes time, and depending on the plan, it could take a lot of time. The same thing goes with those you lead, 
And it's not as if this is the only thing you have to focus on. You still have operations to run. Even running a family is an operation. Performance to manage, goals to achieve, changes to adapt to, and everything else that just goes along with life. So with all of that, learn when, why, and how to dial it back. And give yourself permission to do so. And give those you lead permission to do the same. We all have times in our lives when we need to recharge or take a break. And in today's world, we just hesitate to do so. Think about how much vacation time you have that goes unused. Or for the mother that is afraid to tell her husband she needs a few hours just to herself. You have to learn for yourself and those you lead what the signs of burnout are. And maybe not even that, just the signs for when even a small break would be beneficial. Eating lunch at your desk every day, I'll admit that while I wrote this episode I was eating, may not be the best thing. Not taking your vacation time or staying home when you're sick or something similar can all have adverse effects. And don't think you have to take a month off. I don't know that I could even do that. It could be a long weekend or taking your lunch break or take a walk during the middle of the day. Your situation and personality style will be the key to helping you understand this. For example, recharging your batteries. Dialing it back is all about recharging batteries, and we all do that very differently. Most people go throughout life without even realizing that certain things drain them and others recharge them. But once you do, this is another area where you can make deliberate decisions to positively impact your life. If you're an introvert, you're going to recharge differently than the extroverts in your life. I recommend everyone have some go-to activities that help you recharge. My daily is an outdoor walk or bike ride, something outdoors. I also like to read and fiddle around on my iPad. I spend time in a place of peace, which for me is the temple on a weekly basis. And when I need a deeper recharge, that's where camping comes in. Maybe those will give you a few ideas of things that you can have as your default go-to recharging activities. In fact, since we have your plan ready to go, let's add one final thing. Let's add your list of simple recharge activities and then your initial plan for a deeper recharge. You're going to need it. So what do you have at the end of all of this, this Leadership 101 development course? What does your personal development plan look like? What does the development plan for those you lead look like? Well, let's recap. First, you have an understanding of what leadership is and how strong your foundation is. You also have some items on your list to strengthen that foundation, some things that you can work on. Second, you have a much deeper understanding of what you want out of life and your motives. You also have your personality style report that we've reviewed and you've identified ways to enhance key strengths, key strengths and mitigate some of the potential pitfalls. You also have a better understanding of how to evaluate some of these same things for those you lead as well. Third, you have a list of the key relationships in your life. You've identified those where some work is needed and anywhere trust needs to be strengthened or restored. Fourth, you also have a better understanding of trust and ways that you can build and restore trust. And again, you also have some action items to help you with trust with those around you. Fifth, you have a clearer view of what your potential is and the potential of some of those around you. You also have a better understanding of how important it is for you to work toward your potential and to help those around you do the same thing. And if you want the most out of life, you have to be working towards your potential. Now, sixth, you have personal development plans for yourself and the individuals you lead and your team. This is what you'll be working on for the next however long it takes. 
A seventh, you have an understanding of the stories that you have been and will be telling yourself as you continue on this journey. Don't let the sunglasses darken your view and enthusiasm, and be sure to curb imposter syndrome. Eighth, you know that this is going to take time and that you and those you lead need to learn how to dial it back when needed. Give yourself and them permission to do so. And then finally, you have me here to provide support, to help you problem solve, I will hand back the marker, and to hold you to your commitments and best efforts. Now let me step back into podcast host mode now. I know I've been bouncing back and forth here. How does this recap sound to you? Are you thinking it's a lot? Is it something that you wish you had time for? Is it something you can see the value in, but not sure how to really make it happen? Have I piqued your interest enough that you're ready to go? For all of these, let me repeat my, that final statement. You have me here to provide support, help you problem solve, and I will hand back the marker, and to hold you to your commitments and best efforts. If you'd like to have someone work through this with you or your team, then please reach out to me. This kind of approach can make such a difference in your life and those around you. Now, some of you may be thinking that this really only applies in a professional setting. It doesn't. The principles are the same, even if you're just trying to figure out what to do with your life in general or in any other personal situation. And I'm here to help in all of those different areas. Now, thanks for tuning in today. I'd love to know what you think of this episode. The survey is still up on my website, or just reach out via email, Instagram, or LinkedIn with any thoughts or comments that you have. And please don't forget to hit that subscribe or follow button so you can be notified as we continue down this journey together. Share the show and give me a rating or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you would like to go through an actual leadership development program with me, or would even be interested in a development plan template that's based on this episode, you can email contact at mountaineboconsulting.com or use the contact form on my website. And I'll have links to all of this in the show notes. Thanks again. Now go out there and keep lifting.